And we're back with another episode of Smart Talk, a proud part of Smart Scouting. That's right. We've got the guy from North Carolina faking the Boston accent once again. Austin, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm glad you're back. Glad you're back. You look a little tan coming back from Hawaii. So uh, glad to get my partner in crime back and uh, start talking about things we've been up to with the mock draft and uh, some of the mid-round picks. It's also it's also the lighting here. I kind of look like uh, Two-Face from Spider-Man because uh, the the right side of my room is very dark right now because we're in the process of moving. So uh, we'll, we'll make it through. But yeah, I, I think... <laughs> So since the last time we've met, there's obviously been a mock draft released by everybody. Hooray. Like claps for that. That's exciting. <laughs> um, that was hard. We Not also had, it was weird. We had our rankings, you know, before that, which we obviously talked about last week or the last time we, you know, sat down behind these mics, but I do want to talk about the difference between a ranking and a mock draft, because I feel like, you know, when you get to this point in the season, there's always discourse surrounding people's mock drafts and rankings. I guess I should start with my definition of a ranking and then maybe, I guess, kind of see if you disagree, you know? So for me, a ranking is... Like you're basically ordering the players and like not how you would draft the players, but based on whether it's upside or whether you think a player is more projectable than this player or whatnot. Like it's it's basically you're ordering these players essentially best to worst, or you're putting them in a tier that you would feel comfortable selecting them in if you were drafting. For me, a mock draft is not necessarily a reflection of the rankings. It's more of a reflection of how we think the draft is going to shake out. Rankings, in my eyes at least, are a totally different thing. What do you think? Um, I think I agree and I disagree at the same time. I think I agree on, on a large part of what you're saying um, in that, you know, the numbered 1 through 20, 128 that we had isn't going to be the mock draft 1 through 128 because – how we view the lens of the teams uh, that Josh gave us is going to be different. You have to look at your rosters, your depth, um, what teams might look at in terms of need. You can even look at if you want. I mean, I only did it for a couple teams. I didn't do it for every team because there's a couple teams I had only one pick for, but like, how does Arizona play? Like I need to know how Arizona plays before I look at like which defenseman I'm going to draft or which forward is going to fit, I think, in their their systems. Um, But I would say the big reason I would say agree but disagree is that um, I hate number tier or uh, numbered rankings. Like, I just group them into tiers. Like, I spend way more time saying, like, at this point, like, this player and this player breaks off a tier. So, like, a lot of what I did in the mock draft, like, isn't numbered rankings by how I have them, but kind of, like, they're in the same tier – I think this team has depth here and I want to get a player at this position at some point, like consensus has this player. We have this player going here. I think I can wait on them and then take a forward here and maybe wait on the defenseman or take a left shot defenseman here. Cause the, the next tier really is a big jump, big drop off before. And then even though there's three forwards, I have ranked ahead of them. Like I'm going to take this defenseman here. Cause I can, I feel like the gap between everything works. Um, but I think one of the things people always are like is, um, you know, it's a reflection of one player is better than another player. And that's, I don't, we, we talked about that last episode, but I'm not saying a player is going to play earlier or it's like, it's just, I, we're betting on, you know, I, I think I said this to y'all in, uh, um, in our, in our like private messages today was just like, I love the NHL draft because we're like three years away from knowing if these kids are any good. So like, everything we're doing is based upon like comparisons, but like there's still a step or two away from even getting to the AHL, like to see like, can they play there for the vast majority? And then the first round guys might be going right to the NHL. So um, it's a long winded answer to say, I agree with what you're saying. Like you can't look at a ranking to be like, well, this person's ranked number eight, but now there's 19 in your mock draft. Like why would you make them fall? And it's just like, well, we think we can hold off on them. Do you know what I mean? Right. we think they're going to be good, but also there's nothing in the uh, draft verse, right, or universe right now that's like saying that this guy, we need to pounce on this guy right now. And um, at the end of the day, in my opinion, mock drafts are just a guess. They're just fun. 
for me, they're fun. Like just because your team didn't pick the player that you wanted them to get in a mock fake draft, like doesn't mean that's how it's going to shake out in real life, you know? It's like probability, right? I think yeah. we could we would all say probably ninety seven percent chance Shane Wright goes one number one in Montreal, and then yeah. we would say like, <laughs> I think for me it's like sixty forty Slavkovsky to Cooley. Like I don't know what the jersey's going to do, but if depending on what they they, they do, kind of shakes out what Arizona wants to do. You know what I mean? There's, so it's like yeah, there's like a solid like two yeah. to three players that could go number two this year. And by the time we get to Philly at five, it's just like I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> It's just you're taking BPA all day. And, you know, it is what it is. I, I just, you know, it's, it's, it's always important to, to say this because, I mean, for instance, in our rankings, we had Connor Geeky 30th. And in our mock draft, I believe Alex took him, yes, for Winnipeg at 14th overall. For me... Oh, Connor Geeky does scream Winnipeg Jet, doesn't he? I mean, Winnipeg Ice, Winnipeg Jet. I mean, it just, uh, yeah. I mean, but it's also you, like we were just saying, this is a game of risk assessment. So, right. like, if you're willing, if you, if one out of 32 teams looks at the high point of Geeky and says that's where we think he's going to end up, like, that's all it takes. Like, right. We're, we're three, four people who looked at him this year. And said no, <laughs> like, <laughs> but like there, there's in the NHL, there's 28 other teams making this assessment. So, um, and it's actually honestly, kind of it could funny. Uh, the we're one of the lowest people on uh, Connor Geeky in this draft. I want to say the only other person that has him lower than us right now is Craig Button. I could be wrong. I'm just running to check that real quick. Well, it's, well we Dogger has him 29th right now. I don't know if that was their final list, though. We and Craig Button has him 31st. Everybody else has him pretty much top 15. I would say our rankings are, um, uh, gosh, I can't remember his name. I think his first name was Ben. He used to do like a spicy index of like the rankings. Do you remember this? Um, I do I remember he, that. If he, I think he was with the Silver 67s or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it used to do it. Like, our, we would have a very spicy ranking. Um, like, it would probably be, in terms of the public ones, probably one of the spiciest rankings out there. Um, and I don't think it's wrong, though. I think it's just, like, the ranking game is very much, like, everyone looks around at everyone else and says, this is the player everyone's going to latch on to say that, like, Smart was, like, very high on or very low on. You know, like, are we sure that's the reason why, we like, we want to be low or high on these players? You know what I mean? Like, right. I still don't disagree with anything we did. Like, um, No, I don't either. I'm, I was more just saying, like, you know, that's just kind of how it shook out in the mock draft. And so, you know, that's where there's some disparity. And I mean, obviously you had Arizona take it. I was actually kind of surprised that Josh went Cooley at second overall. Totally just decided to be like, hey, we're going to throw a wrench in all of this, right? I thought I was getting Cooley at three and I was to be like, this is my mindset with Arizona when I had Arizona was that Cooley at three during the Bedard Fantilli sweepstakes next year you know they're gonna yeah. they're tanking so they got their top two centers locked up like just start swinging at every other position like you got top two centers and just sw- but then when he took Cooley, there's not a center that can go three i was my honestly thinking that they were going to get one of Juracek or nemich that was um, my only other debate. I was debating Juracek and Slavkovsky. And my my whole philosophy with Arizona, like of all the teams I drafted for, Arizona is the one I feel the least confident in. Yeah. <laughs> like um, I thought I'm going to take the forward. You know, Jordan and I talk about this all the time. There's eight to 10 defenders drafted in the first round. There are usually 20 to 34 or 20 to 25 forwards. There's yeah. a big difference when you have the last pick in the first round between the third or the second or third forward coming off the board and the 25th forward coming off the board versus like the first defender and the fourth defender. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, with the defenders, you're more than likely still getting somebody that's top four upside. And they're not their defenders aren't terrible. The left side isn't bad from what I remember. And then they still have Victor Sorders from who I'll be honest with you, haven't watched him since really he was drafted. I liked him when he was drafted. Um 
but I, I went Slavkovsky with them. Um, and then, uh, you know, Jordan took my, my hopeful for Buffalo, uh, Ottawa. Yeah. He took Lambert at seven. So I took Frank Mazur at, at nine for Buffalo. Um, you know, it's about we like this. We all know each other. Like everyone, I, I'm really hoping for for the Sabers just went before, and Nazer is kind of my like my last resort. Right. It was, was Nazer or Karamaki for me. I went Nazer because he has that center upside, and the Sabers are kind of trying to figure out that center position with Cousins. Is he going to stick? Is Middlestack going to stick? Who's going to be the second center behind Tage Thompson? He gives them that center wing versatility, and I love Frank. And then I went right after that with Kamel with Anaheim because I feel like Anaheim just takes like the falling consensus player every year and just ends up with a sick draft. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so man. I was like, talk about Kamel, Kamel should have been top. T- I thought Kamel should have been top nine. He was number nine on my board. I was like, he's got to go there. And then we kind of go the next four to you to Vancouver. Um, yeah. At 15. Uh, so at 15 um, for me, I definitely thought Philip Nassar uh, who you actually picked with the next pick uh, for Buffalo. I, I did also briefly consider Denton Matejchuk, but I ended up picking Kevin Korchinski for Vancouver just because I feel like you've got Quinn Hughes, I believe, on the right side over there, right? I don't want to, like, say that. He's on the left side. He is on the left side? Yeah. Well, then you've got you've got a top four, potentially, of Korchinski and Hughes uh, quarterbacking both your power play units. That's going to be absurd for the Canucks. And their defense is pretty bad. I don't think Korchinski is ever going to be, like, a fantastic defensive defenseman. But he's at least going to be a decent two-way defender that can play physically. The real calling card for him is going to be his offense. And I think that this is a player that Vancouver could love. Um, I mean, he's got it. Of all of the after the the top two go, like it's really Korchinski. It's you're you're debating Korchinski and, and Matejchuk in my mind, and Matejchuk's in a consensus kind of way scary because he's not been seen before, and Korchinski's probably the most projectable defenseman that's out there left. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like Matejchuk's a, a unicorn, and the Canucks are a team with one of the worst pipelines in the league, they need somebody to be, they need a not, well, they're not going to getting a blue chip prospect at 15th overall, but they need a good one. Yeah. And uh, like I would swing on Matejchuk, but I'm a risk, I'm a high risk reward person in the draft. Right. So like, if you're like, Hey, look, I want to make sure I get someone that's going to be good. Who has that upside. Like I would, Korchinski makes a hundred percent. I mean, I swan it, Frank Nazer. I love Philip Mashar. I'm just gonna be honest, y'all. I love watching him play. It's probably my, one of my biggest draft club uh, crushes that I have watched outside of <laughs> like the region. Like I've only seen him a few times, and every time I watch him, like I love this guy. Fast, just super smart. Um, you know, we always use the <laughs> like the the term like points with a Z with like question marks, like to make fun of like, oh, he doesn't have points. He must not be good. Like. Yeah, he he didn't put up light the lamp crazy and uh like when he was in Slovakia, but uh, uh everything he does is amazing. He's just a little undersized to put on some weight. Um, but I I don't I can't think of a guy who I think could play in your top six, but also have such a high floor yeah. that could be available. Um, he's just not a sexy pick. Let's just be honest. Uh, he's just not <laughs> he's just not a sexy pick. He's just not gonna give you that flash. He's not well known. So, um. For me, I skipped uh, to 20. My next pick was Kalia Delius uh, for Washington. Washington, to me, uh, needs Odelius. I think he's a really good player for them. I debated Miroshnichenko because that does seem like such a Washington pick. I mean, they they picked um, Hendrix Lapierre a few years ago. Um other than that, though, I mean, they really don't have, like, a ton of young talent. Connor McMichael, um, Brett Leeson, uh, Axel Janssen Fialbi is probably – I mean, he's 24 still, so sort of youngish. Then you've got Alexander Alexiev, and that is about it as far as their pipeline goes. So, defensively, this is a team that 
is both getting one of the best players available and a position of need. I like the pick because Washington is both hurt and old with no pipeline right now. Yeah. And you want you want to get players like he I love Cali Odelius. I know like Mikel and Jordan and I were really pumping them up at the mid-year. Um, I've cooled off a little bit on his offensive upside, but still one of the best puck carriers in the in the J20 and could skate for days. You know, like yeah. he's go he's safe, he's gonna play for you, but he also has upside. And um, you know, I guess you could have chased uh uh what's it, Pavel. Mitiukov there, uh, but like I love Kelly. You're not gonna. I, I have gonna Kelly. Say, I, I have Kelly above Mitiukov in our pick. rankings. So, <laughs> um, so 22, 23, and 24 were all our picks. I picked Rutger for uh, Edmonton. You picked Liam Ogren for uh, the Ducks, and then I picked Yuri Kulich for the Blues. Uh, anything you really want to say about those guys, or do you want to move on? Um, I was debating Kulich and Ogren for Anaheim in my. Uh, they take the best player falling. Uh, Mintyukov almost, but he's such a cowboy. I've watched so much Mintyukov that it's yeah. like he's a yeah. I I Liam Ogren's a top four, 15 pick for me, so I was just like that's easy. He's a grinder. He has a good shot. I love his game. He's just six foot. If he was six foot three, he'd be a top ten pick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's all I really gotta Ooh, say. Twenty eight. You picked Jaeger Furcus. Jaeger, have you seen the combine pictures? First of all. Yes. Uh, uh, Jagger Furcus gets uh, MVP for the flow and the mustache. I did not know that he was coming in with that kind of swag to the combine. I was going to um, say, his draft stock rose at least a little bit. Like a bunch of the Buffalo media people that I knew that were there were just sending me messages like, did you know that Jagger looked like this? I was like, Jagger is better than top 20 for me. Now he's going to like top 15. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope they actually get someone from Moose Jaw on here because I want to talk to them. Um but Jagger Fergus, I I wanted Seamus Casey to pick prior. He uh, that was my goal. He went, and I was just like, Jagger Fergus is a top twenty-two talent for me in this draft. I'm just gonna take him. I'll figure out defense later. Um, electric, you could talk for days probably about Fergus. His end zone plays would sold me on him. He's a little smaller. His CHL prospect game, him Owen Beck were like unstoppable. So I don't know. I'll turn it over to you, Matthew. Yeah, I think if Furkus hits, he, he's going to be one of the better pure goal scorers of this class. Um, there is a good amount of risk considering he's a really slight undersized player whose compete isn't the best, in my opinion. Um, but it, it's well worth the risk at 28, especially considering just looking at Buffalo's draft real quick. I think did they only have the one pick? The one other pick? Um, yeah, picking yeah. Frank Nazar. They got at least like a safer pick in Nazar. I think I mean, can Nazar, Meshar, and Furkus are they're, they're undersized. That's probably like what I thought with Buffalo when I was doing this. Was like maybe I go for a little bit bigger player, like, but I don't care about size. So that's why I was just like, throw caution to the wind. Let's see what happens. And then, to be honest with you, the Sabres. Um, they're playing with house money now. Like their entire roster is young, cost controlled, and just waiting to see if they hit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the prospect pool now is just about seeing if you can crack the lineup. Um, so take as many swings as you want. You don't have to chase the the safe player. Like I'm not even gonna say names. I'm not gonna trash players, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we both know like players that like we would say we'll play an NHL game, but like. Maybe they're not going to stay in the lineup. They'll be replaced within a couple of years by a free agent or a better draft pick. So, um, so I'm I'm I want to talk about Tampa's pick because had Alex not taken Ivan Maroshnichenko for Pittsburgh, I absolutely was going to select him for Tampa because that seems like such a Tampa pick. Let him get healthy again. Let him play, and then all of a sudden you've got an NHL player that's ready to put up 60, 70 points. But I went with um, Vladimir Grundedin here. I think this is a player that also kind of fits Tampa's system. I, I don't think he goes this high in the draft, especially considering some teams' hesitancies to draft Russian players. I think there are going to be some teams, though, that take advantage of other teams not taking them, like that market inefficiency, and just go for it. I mean – 
I think you hit it on the head. And I also think um, Grudinen is going to be an interesting one um, about where he actually slides. But I think he, you hit him perfect about like where he should be. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, he seems like the player you mention when you want to sound really smart. <laughs> um, I uh, I was joking with someone today is that like we when we all fake draft for our teams, I think we have all written in pencil, if not in ink in the third round, Vladimir Grudinin, because he's always <laughs> he's always put in like in every public um like McKenzie's and everything, like the third. I think central scouting has has him in the 50s for European skaters. Like, bro, like he's probably going the fourth. Let's all just take him in the third. That's gonna be what we're gonna fake draft for the Sabres or the Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, Central Scouting didn't rank Marcus Nguyen, so they're dead to me. Um, finally, you finished out our first round with two picks from Arizona, Sam Renzel and Jimmy Snuggerud. Yeah, I'm going to just – you want to fly through these for the second and third round and wait here. Now, Arizona has four picks from 31 to 36, which was outrageous of what I was Jesus. like. Oh, God, yeah, they do. So uh, <laughs> my philosophy with Arizona, like I said before, was swing high upside – some of them I'm going to have zero four and some of them I'm going to have a four of an NHL player. So those four, I was like, I want, uh, I want a right shot, left shot defenseman that are still, they were still in the last ones in my tier that were high upside that wanted. Then I just swung. I'll be honest with you. These are where I was like, kind of being like, what, 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 why did I do this? Um, new caution to the wind. So Sam Renzel is one of my favorite right shot defensemen in the entire draft. He's a project. He's raw. Um, didn't show that well at the USHL, but his skating and offensive ability and carry position, like it, the tools are there. He's going to spend another year in the USHL next year. Like he is going, he's going to be good. Uh, Owen Pickering, same, similar. You, you can comment more about, I'll kick Owen Pickering to you in a second, but like <laughs> carry great, uh, great size, great carry out ability. Uh, his passing decisions were sometimes atrocious yes. and his, but, and his defending can be a little bit inconsistent, but having that kind of puck skill skating ability and that size, like I'm willing to take a shot at the early second round to say, Hey, maybe this becomes a guy. Um, and then LDBB, Luca Del Bebelus. Um, honestly, he's like in the forties for me ranking wise, but his key flashes that high upside at times, he's just inconsistent with his effort and with uh, how consistent he is as a pr- producer. Um, and I like Jimmy Snuggerud. I know um, he's kind of, not the transition player that I normally fall in love with, but once he gets in the zone, he's got a great shot. I think he's going to be a good goal, goal scorer. I think he's a good complimentary, complimentary uh, middle six right winner to similar to Dylan Gunther, but like a lesser D- Dylan Gunther. And that like, he's uh once you get him the puck in the zone, he's going to be really good. I don't know if he's carrying the puck for you into the zone. Um, I'm going to kick it to you for Owen Pickering for a second because WHL, I have to. Um, well, for me, Owen Pickering seems like a Seattle pick all day because he seems this is exactly the type of player that Ron Francis would have drafted. I he a puck moving left-handed defenseman. Ron Owen Francis Pickering, would have taken this. Are you are you 10. on the upper part of Owen Pickering or are you on the lower part of Owen Pickering? I'm on the middle ground on him. I see both why you would be high on him and why you would be low on him. You know, there's been like some people uh, like mocking him in the teens and the early twenties. And that scares me to death. Like, I don't think I see. He is one of the biggest what if players in this draft class, because you see that he has some offensive tools. He's big and he's a really good skater. Like there are very few defensemen at six, four, six, five that can skate as smoothly as he can, as quickly as he can. But on the flip side, his decision-making is poor. His defensive play and physical play is pretty much below average, I would say. And he just doesn't really do enough for me to make me be like, yes, this kid is a legitimate top four defenseman. I think it's likely he sees NHL games, but for me, it's like, I don't know if he works out. That's awesome. But there's also a good chance he doesn't. Isn't he Dent McTaychuk's cousin too? Didn't we find that out? Yes. Yes. They don't play a similar style at all. No, (laughs) not even the same size. (laughs) No, no. Um, 
finishing out Arizona, my biggest regret for them was taking Nathan Gaucher at 43. I got to my head thinking that like what I really wanted was a second secondary center option because next year I think they're pulling hard for Bedard and Fantilli. That was like, <laughs> so I was like, Gaucher could be a third line. Del Bell Blues could flame out. We don't know, but like get that one center that they could play behind them. I should have taken Lane Hudson. Lane Hudson would have made too much sense right there. Um, just you to see, have, Pickard. I want, I want him to go to a team that can actually develop prospects. That uh, I know. And then I took Devin Kaplan, who's we're going to talk about in a bit. So I'm not even going to talk about Devin Kaplan. Um, okay. uh, I, <laughs> your I turn really... was with, uh, St. Louis, Washington. You had, uh, hold on. Who did you have? Sapovalov or Sapovalov. Sapovalov. What do you, have you watched Sapovalov? Do you have a lot of good grasp about him? I watched him before the Holinka and saw something I, I don't think he's more than a third line center at the nhl level but washington seems to love those safe picks at forward he's um, so he looks like he's like he, he produces and he, like his dad is good it's just like the eye test of him just looks like he's just floating around out there. yeah that's kind of the vibe that i get from him to be honest um man i really did not have very many picks in the first two rounds you were in you were in Hawaii. We had to make sure we could get through this here. All no, right, but man. I'm saying like I, <laughs> I straight up I picked twice in the first round, three times, three times, and then I picked twice in the second round. So most I want of you my to talk about pick sixty three. That's what I want you to talk about. Can we skip uh, there? Pick sixty three wanna... with Leon Bitch. So I feel like I have heard more about this guy from Sabers Twitter in the last twenty four hours. um i i just don't i look i think he's he at best is like a a worse version of david yurichek i don't know like maybe i i I think will scout said that in a comparison i was like yeah that's probably his i think he's just defensively responsible he's got a little bit of offense but i don't really see the offense i don't know but for me, it's I like, see him going in the mid-teens and Sabres mock drafts right now. <laughs> no, God, no. People see 6'5", and they instantly get, like, hard eyes. And for me, it's like, let's look at the players that went after him in the mock draft, right? You've got Mikey Milne, Mats Lindgren, who I'm not the biggest fan of. I feel like Carolina could make him work, but I think – You've got Scott Morrow. You've got Alexi Himasami. You've got guys like Joey Keane. Um, you've got more players than that. Like Tyler Brennan, the Canes don't need a goaltender in their system. They've got Kochekov. They've got Itsumaki Niemi. They've got uh, Patrick Hamerla, who's playing really well. Um, Jack LaFontaine. Uh but after that, it was like Bo Chelsma. Eh. And then I no, picked, I'm not, not hitting yeah. you on that one. I've just, uh, I've, I've seen this guy going mids first, For early. Me, it's like 63. I feel like that's a good range to take a guy who's probably like a fifth or sixth defenseman. Like, at Pretty, worst. Have you, I don't know. I've tried to watch him recently. There's some offense there, but I still don't think he cracks the power play. To me, if you can't crack the power play, like this is where you take him, right where you took him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, he perfect time to take Liam, Bich- Liam Michelle is right here. <laughs> like Noah Warren, right here. Yeah, you know, like perfect time. If you Simon Forsmark is four picks ahead, great time to take him. Do you know what I mean? Isaiah George. Could have gone a little higher. I see some offense in him, but like he's also a bit risky, you know. Like, yeah, I actually these guys, I just feel like can't hit a power play. I just, I don't know. That's why I, I, I was really happy to where you picked him and just seeing where he's been going the last couple. Oh, of course. Days. Oh, I was like, oh, I God. actually helped a buddy of mine. He picked for the Hockey News's mock draft, and he 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 took Isaiah George for the Hurricanes. I thought that was a good pick too. Um. Do you want to talk about Tyler Brennan, or can I go ahead and talk about uh, Regal Lorenz? Uh, I honestly have nothing really to say more. The only things I would say, Anaheim, I took Owen back next, um, and I thought rounding out Kamel Ogren back was a very good first three picks for them. I took Ryan Chesley as their fourth pick. I figured they needed they need someone to play some right hand defenseman, and he's one of the 
we at that point in the second round, we're looking at right-hand defensemen that are going to play NHL games. Um, right. Anaheim, I took Tristan Brennan because – or Anaheim, uh, Arizona. I took Tristan Brennan because who's their goalie? I don't know. Uh, so just take our, who we have number one for goalie. And Buffalo, I took Sal Monson because we need a right-shot defenseman. And I love Dylan James. Uh, we'll talk about, like, again, a little bit more later about, like, mid-round picks. But other than that, I really got nothing else. Colorado, I took Hayduke because, uh, you know – you got to take a Hayduke if you're in Colorado, right? Um, <laughs> I took Rieger Lorenz for Carolina at 70 because I was like, I don't, I don't see the high end upside in his game. I really see him peaking as a third line player, but I see a player that could really work in Rod Brindamore's system, kind of like Jack Drury or even like a Vasily Ponomaryov. So I took him trying to think if there's any other picks that I'm like, let's really talk about. I Jordan's a just... bastard that took, Freaking Marcus Nguyen for Chicago. <laughs> I was gonna say the only uh, I thought Josh taking Cooley with Jersey was uh, was a big game changer for the rest of the top ten. Because yeah. I mean, look, I agree with his logic. You take the best player and you figure out he sure Hughes and Cooley at a later date. Um, it just threw a huge wrench for what happened after that. Um, I thought one of the biggest steals of it all. Like, I thought Korchinski was a good value at 15. Um, I liked Ogren at 23. I know that was me. I'm tooting my own horn. Um, <laughs> but, like, I think a lot of what I look at are, like, our mock draft. It's, like, a lot of what happens up until about 55. It's, like, um, a lot of those players, I think, are just, like, there's going to be players that aren't going to be – those players are going later. Do you know what I mean? Like, And there's going to be some players that go a lot earlier than we're – gonna expect like there's there's always a tyler boucher you know i'm not saying he's gonna like there's gonna be a player that's like crazy to slide into the top 10 again I mean, well you, you go through entr- central scoutings you know it's hard like a lot of the players i had slotted for the mid rounds before central scoutings list were like a lot of their ushl players that they put in the 20s and 30s and i was just like dang yeah. dang they have them as second third rounders i had them as fourth fifth rounders as like great value picks you know so um, I don't know. Any questions about the mock draft at myself at Matt? Happy to explain any of our picks, happy to explain any of our colleagues' picks or tell them to answer you. Um, and the, <laughs> some of them will be a little bit more uh sarcastic than the others, but um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, uh, Austin. I think you know, we. We talked about like late round players last week, and I know we brought up some of our honorable mentions, some players that we ranked towards the end. But this week, I think we should talk about some of the players that are in, you know, the second to third round range in our rankings, and maybe why we considered ranking those players and what we've seen. Um, I'm going to start with Reed Schaefer from Seattle. I think based on his playoff performance, he's raising a lot of eyes or like he's catching a lot of attention because he's been one of Seattle's best players. Uh, he's very, very close to being an overager for this draft. Like he was born, I think like a week or two after the, the cutoff for last year's draft. So he is a good bit older than the competition this year. And uh you know, he's big. His skill level doesn't really pop, but I think this is a player that absolutely plays NHL games. And with his speed, his physicality, his tenacity on the forecheck, I think this is a player that could carve in a nice, like, you know, maybe middle six role. You know, we um, we watched a lot of Schaefer together. And I think one of the things that happens with Reed Schaefer is it's uh, – he, it's all about engagement level with him. Like mm. um, he's not a player that demands the puck, but he's a, de- but if he's on the puck and he's engaged with suppressing, you know, uh, uh, chair, like if he's hard on pucks defensively or he's uh, driving the net hard, like all of a sudden he pops. Um, but he's not going to be a player that like, you know, like uh, I remember mispronounce his name. I I was going like I'm gonna avoid saying Sazdalov uh in Sweden. Yeah, like, I think that's right. Sazdalov, like we were, I was watching him before the final rankings, and I fell in love with him. But I will admit, like he has like two minutes of like absolute filth, and then like twelve minutes of like what? Where are you on the ice? 
like Reed Schaefer will never have those two minutes of filth. Like he's just going to have like a solid effort game where you're like, that guy is good. Like when we talked about Ben Hemming uh, last, uh, last week. Right. I was like, gosh, I forgot Ben Hemming's last name. Hemingworth. Shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, how many you want to do today? That's going to be my first I question. I just have two to really talk about. Um, you have two? Yeah, because, right. I mean, we talked about some of the players that I ranked in the third round last week. So um, my first, my biggest draft crush that I'm hoping falls to the third round, because um, I don't know if I would swing on him in the early second, given who I think is going to fall there for the Sabres, is uh, Devin Kaplan on the USNDP team. Um so a little backstory, like he is a depth player on the NDP team. Like if you watched any of the UA teams, uh, he played about four, I think five ships shifts <laughs> in the first period and a half. Um, but on those first five shifts, it's like breakaway goal assi- assist, um, set up a high danger chance, uh, had a high danger chance from Lane Hudson, just uh, missed the miss, miss hit the puck. Like, and that is just Devin Kaplan's game from like start to finish outside of that. So four games of tracking, he was involved in 51% of all tr- successful transitions with Rucker McGordy and Charlie Stramel. Uh, he was 83% successful on all of his transitions. He is six, three, six foot three. He hits, he can skate. He has puck skill. Really what he doesn't have is points. And he doesn't really have a uh, an accurate or, or deadly shot. What he has is just sick mitts, right? Um, so he gets the puck. He brings the puck through the neutral zone, gets through the neutral zone, and then usually will either dump it back to like Lane Hudson, a defender there, or he'll give it to Rutger McGrody. And Rutger McGrody then kind of takes that chain link play and either shoots it on net or drives in that and makes the final pass. Um, so I think like, Devin Kaplan is just poised to break out once he gets to college and once he's given an expanded role. I think he's going to be you. Um, but I, I don't think in a league that chases size, skill, physicality, speed, like I am just shocked that this guy is not talked about in the top 20 and that we're talking about him right now as a late second, mid second to a third round pick right now. Yeah. I mean, we had Kaplan going what in the early 50s? In our mock? I took him. I took him in the mid forties. Yeah, I took oh, him wow. for Arizona at forty-five. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's possible, and I mean, you know, I, I I think you can do worse than going with an NTDP player, especially like you're getting a player who, if they're going, even if they're going to college right away, you've got four years to let them develop at minimum. It's the the NDTP is hard because on one hand of it, uh, for the highly skilled players, there it's a developmental program, so they're not giving you like I wrote this in the Seamus Casey, Casey pro profile. He's not getting twenty four minutes a night and four power play minutes a night like all every other CHL prospect. You know, like Dead Matejchuk was getting like thirty four minutes a night at some nights in the regular season. You know, like Seamus right. Casey's topping out at sixteen and two minutes of power play every single night. Um, so there's that aspect for the high end. But if you're a lower end player, like you're a lower end player on an all star team, so yeah. like what you really are, we you can't say. You know, like you can't compare Devin Kaplan who plays similar role as Marcus Nguyen and say like they're the same player because they play the same role because you know and so you kind of have to balance what they all are and then also take into effect they're an all-star team playing against the USHL for half their game so yeah I could talk all night about Devin Kaplan I will (laughs) kick it back to you so the only other player that I had uh really for this week because you know again I feel like we've talked about a good amount of players um Matthew Semenoff, we ranked 67th. Um, let me just forget that I dropped my phone and find where we ranked him. So Matthew Semenoff, we ranked him, like I said, 67th in our rankings, which is actually pretty much where a lot of other people have him. Elite Prospects has him 66th. He's the nicest ranked player in Bob McKenzie's board. 
62nd for McKean's. Craig Button is the lowest on him. It has him 91st. And uh, Central Scouting has him 72nd in North America. Um, for me, Seminoff is a player that, yes, he's a little older, but you remember when we talked last week about how Marcus Nguyen just has a constantly working motor and he like his work ethic is off the charts? Yeah, that's what I see in Matthew Semenov. Semenov doesn't his skill doesn't pop as much, but I like his um, his size, or I like the way he uses his frame on the forecheck. He's not the biggest player, but he's great along the boards. He's really good behind the net. Um, his vision is solid. I think there's a little bit more for him offensively. I, I just the upside is like at best you're probably getting like a third line energy player. I think like when you and I we talked a lot about these two uh two players, I must say, Seminoff and Fraser Minton. Um yes. Because they're we were we were kind of we, we both we kind of co-wrote the Minton report. Um and looking at them, you know, Seminoff always I thought had more skill. And Minton just had the more defined, like, grinder fourth-line role. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I feel like you, Seminoff's got a little bit more upside, but he also kind of – there's a little bit more – he's not as defined as Minton is. You know, like, when you watch Minton play, Minton's just running around the ice trying to hit people, trying to, like, solidify himself, and then, like, grind his way into a goal and assists, you know. Yeah, he's a physically mature player that has – already one of the more complete games in this draft class even though he's not the best player you know it's like uh you know uh seb passed me mitchell martin you know i feel the same way about mitchell martin that i do about fraser minton like you play like a four, you play like you're you're, you're clawing for that route last roster spot and i would draft that do you know what i mean um yeah, but absolutely. like seven just got a little there's a little bit more just to his game like watching it that yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Like third a little line, more pizzazz. yeah, a little more risk, but also like, I would, I like risk. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna. Can we talk about uh, one WHL player or two WHL players that I'm gonna bring up before I go to my last one? Because I really just want to get your about Hudson Thornton. No, I'm not gonna talk about. He's first off, uh, <laughs> Hudson Thornton. Just ignore that tone he just gave uh, if you're listening to this Hudson Thorne we got this same with Tyson Jugnoff last week just ignore Matt we got this boys no I want to talk to you about um let me find him I don't know that player um two of them Mikey Milne okay and um gosh Jace Weir those All are the right. two. Those are the two I want to get. So those are two guys that are, I feel like Mikey Milne, Milne. Those of you who don't know, September birthday is technically uh, just a one-year overager. He's pretty much a, a two-year overager. Um, he's like a September twenty-first birthday. Um, I thought he should have been drafted last year. Um, how would you? How do you perceive his value given his birthday and where you would draft him? And then Jace Weir, kind of give me the skinny on him. I feel like he's all over the place, whatever people read about him. So, All right, so I'll start with Mikey Milne. Um, when we ranked, where we sat down for our rankings, um, I know you and Josh and a couple other people really liked Milne. For me, I love the player, and I love what he can do. But I'm going to uh, – throw an example out here of Brett Leeson from two years ago oh, or from three how years dare ago. How dare you? How dare you? From 2019. <laughs> Brett Leeson was a double overage player putting up, you know, ridiculous numbers in the CHL. And all the while that season, I'm like, yes, that's what he should be doing at this age. And I'm getting a similar sense with Milne. He his production isn't all that impressive if you consider the fact that he's a double overager playing with really good players. Like Winnipeg, like you said it last time we met, 
Winnipeg's an all-star team. And this is this is just one of those I, I I love the player. I think he probably plays in the NHL at some point. I don't think he's a top six forward though. And I just there. I'll give uh, you that one. <laughs> for me, it's like this is what he should be doing at you know, let's let's look, he's 19, nearly 20 years old. You should be dominating the WHL. I uh so full disclosure. Uh I think all of us plan for our prospective teams, how we're gonna go about the draft. I bet you fake draft for the Canes, right? I fake draft for the oh, Sabres. Absolutely, I fake draft for the Canes. So like I like I said to you before, people. um, like Grudinen pretty much an in ink for the third round for me. Uh and then like in the fourth round for me, I'm like hoping that like a Michael Fisher slips down to there. Um a fifth Ryan, round Mikey Milne. And then that's what I'm saying. Fifth round Mikey Milne is like in ink for me. Him or Lucas Gustafson is our those two players are like I have flip-flop, but I there was a period of time, I think, where the entire scouting world was obsessed with the Winnipeg Ice in the earlier part of the season. And we were all looking at the geeky versus Savoy debate, right? And yeah, that debate ended pretty quickly. And I eyes. remember spending four hours on Instat just watching back to back to back to back, uh, like um, same game, uh, shift by shifts. And Milne was with Geeky the entire time. And I remember tweeting this. And I remember <laughs> I remember getting DMs from people who I didn't even know, like, knew that I existed in the scouting world. Be like, you can't say that. Like, that's not happening. I remember tweeting at, like, 1230 at night, like, Mikey Milne might be a first-round draft pick. And <laughs> I recant. I'm talking about him in the fifth now. But I remember watching those games being like, Mikey Milne, and Zach Benson do everything. And Zach yeah. Benson is like the skill. And Mikey Milne is the heart. Like he was the engine. He was the one who was on the four check. He got the puck. He gave it to Benson. And Benson did something. They gave it back to Milne. Like Milne just was like, I loved watching him play. And that will forever be stuck. And I've, I went back. Uh, I think it was you who said like erase, have amnesia. Uh, with every player, like every viewing. Yeah. So, like last week, I was like, all right, going back to Milne, see what he did. And like, I thought he had a great playoffs for the Winnipeg Ice, like just going through his, through the, like uh, his shift by shifts. I thought he was one of the few that actually was able to go. Um, you make great points. Like, he's technically a D plus one, but he's a September 21st birthday. He's theoretically like it's you could, new you, could, you, could you could argue he's a very late birthday d plus two you know what i mean like um so i would say to 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 anyone i wouldn't take him before the fourth or fifth round uh he's ranked in our 70s but i usually think like this there's going to be players that lead up to 70 that are going to be selected in the first 94 picks for us you know what i mean like um i don't know i'm a huge fan of the guy i think like you said bottom six i think he gets a cup of tea I think he can make something with it. He does. He he's just so versatile. But yeah, I agree. Well, those were the last one I had. Um, I feel like it's so you had Jace Weir. Oh, Jace Weir. Shoot, I forgot about Jace Weir. Talk about Jace Weir, please. So for me, he's a, he's another one of those players where upside isn't like the highest. In reality, I think he's like a fifth or sixth defenseman. But I really like the passing. His hockey sense is solid. Like he sees the ice really well. I don't ever think he's going to be like the best offensive player, but he can chip in, you know, 20 points on the back end, maybe a little bit more. Um, it's just the real thing is like he gets those outlet. He is really smart outlet passer, really good at clearing the zone. Once he gets like a step or two faster, I think he's going to be one of the more dominant blue liners in the dub. Do you think he by the time he finishes the WHL, this was my thought watching him recently. Do you think he gets to like a point per game player in the WHL? Like, does he have the offensive capability to kind of like turn it on at all? Or do you think he kind of sits where he's at the whole time? I think he can get up to like 40 ish points, maybe 50 point per game is a little bit of a stretch because I red deer was a pretty old team this year. I want to say, um like let me just take a look at red deer real quick like their defensemen were yeah he had 25 points i remember he's in 20s they have like uh 
Kyle Masters, who I was never. Uh, Their picked. defense uh, is pretty much going to stay the same, but they're losing Archdeep Baines, um, Liam Keeler, Ben King. If he doesn't get drafted, probably signs an AHL deal. Ah, I don't know, man. This is a team that I think next year they're going to be just as good, if not like slightly better. But the year afterwards, that's gonna they're gonna be a little rough because this team isn't like super deep. And I just was he's like one of those guys I feel like has a little offense to him. And it's just but like he's also a guy who I could feel like just stays around 30 points throughout the WHL, signs his uh AHL deal, and we were like, all right, let's see what you do here. You know what I mean? Like uh he's a pro defender, don't get me wrong. Uh he plays a pro style. I like that he can be a little physical if he has to, but like he, he's, he's another player where we got to that point in the rankings on, and my mindset shifted from like, all right, who's the best player to like, okay, which players do I think could achieve their upside? And if they have roughly a same chance of achieving their upside, whose upside's a little higher. Yeah. You know? I see what, I see what you're saying. Um, I just want to bring those two people up because I feel like those are two WHL players. I know you you live in the WHL. I'm also gonna bring up Matt Lindgren because I feel like he's a second round pick. I mean, if he falls to the third, I think that's perfect for him. I think like he's great value in the third, late second, but um I, I don't know. Apparently he's gonna go top ten. <laughs> it is wild, you know. Um it is wild the things you hear from people once you start uh, when, the last three weeks before a draft. Like you say, like this was where they should go, and then also you get DMs being like, "I actually heard he's going here." And you're like, "Wow!" Um, so see, I haven't I haven't gotten any of those DMs because I'm I'm still like very not in the know or like I keep to myself, I guess. <laughs> I. I, I just I, kind of vibe I'm not a, I'm not very so don't get me wrong. I'm, <laughs> I am still a nobody. Um which people let me know all the time. All right. So I would say my uh favorite player that I hope falls, I think will fall, and I'm just gonna talk about for about 10 seconds before going into the other one. Uh Lane Hudson. I don't see how Lane Hudson ends up as a second round pick. Uh given that he's five eight. But I think he's the best offensive defenseman in this draft by far. I think. I think if you turn on any tape the last three months of the season that he played, he was the best defenseman on the NDP. Uh, there is no one who can get the puck up and down the ice. He's the best in the offensive zone. Uh, he is small. He's 5'8". Can he defend? You know, Matt, our boy, Dominic Fensori, we're gonna, he's going he's gonna to be our first case test to see how he does once he gets out of there. Um, but, like, look, if, if Fensori can do it, I think Hudson's even better than Fensori. So, um, you know, big fan of Lane Hudson, hoping he pulls it out. So, uh, But he's one I'm hoping. And the one I really want to talk about is uh, Cole Knubel. Well, real uh, quick on, uh, on Hudson, I just have, like, a funny story. So on my other podcast, we had Scott Wheeler on from The Athletic. And, you know, it's a, it's a Hurricanes-themed podcast, so I asked him, you know, in a joking way, like, which player is going to cause hockey Twitter to be like, of course Carolina drafted that player, and his pick was Lane Hudson. 100%. I yeah. mean, Dominic Fensori is, like, was the draft crush, like, the first draft crush I've ever had where, like, I was actively searching Twitter for draft Twitter to find like someone has to love this guy as much as I do. Um, (laughs) And finally I found Hannah Stewart and Will Scouch in the conversation about it. And that's how I followed both of them and became huge fans of the two of them. Um, (laughs) But yeah, Fensori, I mean, you got to be honest. Carolina, your your team is so good at drafting. Um, (laughs) Like if the Carolina drafts them, I'm usually like, yes, I love that player. Or shoot, I should have liked that player more. Um, Right. You know, you know, similar to your little uh, – one of my favorite players in this draft, I didn't talk about him last time because I think he goes in the third or fifth round is Cole Knubel. Um, I think he's a project. I'm going to be honest with you all. If he doesn't go into the sixth or seventh round, like, don't be surprised because his skating is going to be an issue. Uh, there is no two ways about it that if you're if you're an NHL GM, you have to be able to look at his skating and the mechanics of it and say, like, we have to get him in a skating development program. And if we can get this fixed, 
holy, we can really work with this. Um, he played for the Fargo Force in the USHL. He was one of the leading point producers on his team, even though he didn't, he was, I think it was like late 40s in points and 60 some odd games. Um, his best line mate was Andre Gousseau, uh, Gousseau from last year's NDTP team. Uh, Taylor Gabriel is was probably their best offensive player outside of him, and he was a defenseman. Going with Zach Bookman, the Merrimack match, just gonna throw that out there. Um, but no, uh, I was, yeah, what to, Zach Bookman, had to bring it up. I was gonna say, what Zach Bookman, what Cole Knubel can do with limitations that he has in terms of separating off his three step agility is truly astounding. Um, his small area space using space, his puck handling, the fine of lane that hits um the way he can uh, spring someone into the offensive zone uh, uh, to get an odd man chance or to sprint a breakaway um, his quick touches. He's ruthless in the defensive zone. His dad uh, is Mike Canubo. He's got a little bit of his dad in him, even if he's like five ten and like 140 pounds soaking wet. Uh, so he gets <laughs> thrown around all over the ice. Uh, but again, he's his, a project, he said. Yeah, but like he's fearless. He plays on the penalty kill. He doesn't care. He's going to jump in front of everything. He's nice. going to try to be everything. I just think you want – and the reason I bring him up is like he's the type of player that he has all – checks all the boxes of how you want to play the game. There's just one mechanical aspect to his game that if you can fix, like, oh, my gosh, you got a player. And to me, I would rather take a chance on a player where I'm like, like we're, we're going to do skating for three years versus someone we're going to be like, hey, we got to work on your effort level and how engaged you are or, you know, or reading if sense, then, which you can't teach, in my opinion. Well, if then situations are horrible to teach, like I even talking to my 12 year old now, like as we watch three on three tape together, like over the summer, it's like it is a lot to teach someone like you end up in this position. It's chess. Hockey is chess. Where do you go two steps yes. from now? The puck is going here and then it's going to go here. You need to figure out where you need to be when it goes there two seconds ago. Like, you know what I mean? Um, right. And that's what I think makes Canoeball so effective. But it also, he has to be that because he can't skate to, he can't rely on instincts. He's not, he, is <laughs> not, he doesn't have the physical capability to rely on instincts. He so. just chugs along, right? Um. Well, those were my two. I know we're talking second, third round. We could talk all day, man. I know we've had a long, little bit of a long podcast here already. Um, well, before we end, uh, I know I know that last time we ended with some food talk. And I feel like it's only right to end with some more food talk. <laughs> Austin, what are your opinions on pimento cheese? Um, I, I'm not a fan of cheese. Can I be honest with you? Whoa, that's uh, a spicy take. I'm just, well, first of all, you need to know I'm a garbage disposal, so you could feed me anything and I'll eat it. Um, right. you're just not like going, but for I have no opinions on cheese. Can I be honest with you? Huh. Pepper Jack, maybe that might be, is that, is that a thing that tastes yeah, pretty I good? Mean, pimento, pimento cheese is basically just like creamier pepper Jack. It's in my opinion. I know Jess, my wife, will put it on like sandwiches and stuff. I could say like a you could put it right on like a pimento cheese sandwich. I've had that before. It's not terrible, but it's not like something I ever crave. Um, are you so a what fan? I, what I used to do is I used to dip fries in it. That was good. Uh, not healthy whatsoever. And uh, <laughs> we talked about Bojangles last week. For a time, they they had pimento cheese, and I would always get it on my Cajun biscuit. Uh, look, I will say this. We uh, we could talk Bojangles all day. Dinner Supreme, honey mustard sauce. You can't go wrong. The honey mustard sauce at Bojangles is unlike any honey, honey mustard it's sauce. It's life-changing. Again, like Bojangles is life-changing. I don't know uh, what it is. I don't know how else to describe. It's the only fast food place I've ever missed. Like, I never really miss fast food ever, but, like, I miss Bojangles. Uh, we used to have a Sunday routine, church and that, and then Bojangles. It was amazing, so... <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I think that's going to do it for this time. We, we've already gone quite a while on this podcast, but um, I do want to let everybody know that next week we are actually, or next episode, I don't want to say next week, just in case. Next episode, we are talking to my boy, Marcus Nguyen of the Portland Winterhawks. We're going to get his takes on his game kind of, you know, break down who he is as a person and a player 
get his thoughts on some uh, some plays of his from this past season, kind of get an inside look on how he sees the ice. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm sure there's going to be more draft talk, more food talk. Hopefully I'll be moved in by the time we record next week. <laughs> so I will have time to write a profile uh, because I haven't had time to do that yet. So yeah, but for where can now, the guys, where can everyone follow you? Oh, uh, everybody can follow me at Matt Soma 12. Where can everybody follow you? At bmaster 716. All right. Is there an underscore? I honestly can't remember. No, there isn't. There isn't. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, that is bmaster 716 and Matt Soma 12. And as always, folks, keep your stick on the ice. Have a great night, everyone. <laughs>